Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. There had been abuse in my family, but it was mostly musical in nature. I don't want any of this lover's lament crap. I want something peppy, something happy, something up-tempo. I want something snappy. Best songs, best comebacks, best records of the year so far. Like a lot of music fans, Jim and I make lists all year round. But come December, there's only one list on our minds. The best albums of the year. I'm Greg Cott from the Chicago Tribune. And I'm Jim DeRogatis from WBEZ and Columbia College. It's time to reveal the top albums of 2012. That's coming up on Sound Opinions. You are listening to Sound Opinions, and time now to count down the best albums of 2012. Greg, indeed it is, and it is always worth reminding our listeners when we do this show that these are our lists, not based on commercial success or what other critics said or buzz or anything like that. It's based on how much we love these records, how much they grew upon us as the year progressed, how much we want to listen to them again right now, and we want to share that joy with you at home. As always with these shows, we start off with the coin toss to decide who gets to go first. What do you got there? Jim, I'm going to go with uh, Lynn Van Maitre on one side of the coin. She was the former critic at the Chicago Tribune that preceded me and uh, died this year, so I want to pay tribute to uh, Lynn. You know, instead of the uh, big white male canon of rock critics, I think it's a good idea to go with some of the pioneering women. I'm going to put Ellen Willis, also the late critic, on my side of the coin. It's up in the air, and the winner is... Ellen Willis. That means I get to go first. Now, Greg, we have only shared our list with each other seconds ago and the Sound Opinions production team, so as to avoid duplication here. We're going to be counting down toward our number ones, and I am going to start with what is actually number six on my list of top ten albums, LP's Cancer for Cure. An incredibly productive and prolific Brooklyn-based hip-hop producer Jamie Moline gave us this year what was only the third solo album in his long career. Once again, it is a vision of an urban dystopia. The song I'm going to play to highlight this record is called Drones Over Brooklyn. It's a future wasteland in his vision of urban America. But there is humor in here. There is political insight. There is heartfelt 
personal examinations. The lyrics are incredible. The backing music remains some of the most inventive, I believe, in all of hip-hop. As far as I'm concerned, this is the sort of album that is taking hip-hop in new sonic and lyrical directions. And if you think LP is an old name, you tell me something that sounded fresher this year than Cancer for Cure. His album came out on the uh, always worthy Fat Possum label. Here is Drones Over Brooklyn from LP's Cancer for Cure, my album number six of the year. Drones Over Brooklyn by LP, and boy was it a treat, Greg, to have him here on the show this year. What are you going to start with? Great choice on LP, Jim. His name's going to come up a little later on in the show. For my number eight album of the year, I'm going to go with Nana Cherry and The Thing, an album called The Cherry Thing. Boy, it's great to say Nana Cherry's name yet again. It is. We could go all the way back to 1989 with her debut album, Raw Like Sushi. Remember that big hit, Buffalo Stance, that she had? And then for the last decade, we didn't hear a whole lot from her. In that time, though, she's been working uh, various collaborations, working as a vocalist, developing a vocal style of tremendous command and authority. And I think it all comes home on this record that she recorded with the Norwegian-Swedish free jazz trio, The Thing. It's led by this uh, adventurous saxophonist, Mats Gustafsson, that I've seen play a number of times. And man, that guy can blow 
totally ferocious player in the lineage of somebody like a Coltrane or an Albert Eiler. A contemporary peer might be somebody like Ken Vandermark. And uh, adventurous set list here. They're covering everything from hip-hop to punk. You know, you're going to hear MF Doom covered on this record. You're going to hear the Stooges on this record. Nothing like you've heard it before. It's all filtered through this jazz sensibility. But what ties it all together is Nena Cherry. Her maturity and command, as I said, as a vocalist, really comes to the fore on this record. It's amazing how she's grown as an artist. Tremendous record, The Cherry Thing from Nena Cherry and The Thing. Here's a track called Too Tough to Die on Sound Opinions. Always wonder why my mama left town New Haven ain't a beggar's song When nobody knows your name over the phone Self-state's the way to do it Doing the straight-through thing When they come down You have to leave town oh, hey. Too tough to die Cause I oh, hey. Too tough to die Tough to Die by Nena Cherry and the Cherry Thing. Greg, I love that album as well. Good pick. My number five album, Greg, is Spiritualized. Another heritage act been around a long time, Jason Pierce, one of the pioneers of space rock with Spacemen 3, and Spiritualized has been around for a very long time. This is the seventh album in their career. You were not as enthusiastic as you should have been <laughs> about this record, Sweetheart, Sweet Light. But I actually hear it as the final installment of a trilogy of masterpieces, the first being the 1992 debut, Laser Guided Melodies, the second being 1997's Ladies and Gentlemen, We Are Floating in Space. On both of those records, and for much of the last 20 years, Jason Pierce has been in a tough place. And on this record, he has arrived at a state of grace. Freedom is yours if you want it, he's telling us again and again, with beautiful music and heartfelt, soulful lyrics. I love this record. It grows on me every time I've listened to it, and that's probably up in the uh, triple digits at this point. This is a song by Spiritualized called Get What You Deserve from the album Sweetheart, Sweet Life. 
on Sound Opinions. Don't take more than follow. When I get there, won't look back. I got more riches than any man could hold. Ain't gonna make the water last. Used to care, but I took care of that. Used to slow, but now I'm lightning. I got a car of blue and red and white. I'm gonna roll. Shoot you while you're laying down I lost all of my direction Gonna shoot you while you're laying still I used up all my affection Get What You Deserve by Spiritualize, my number five album of the year. Greg, we love to share the list-making joy. If you at home listening to this show want to give us your album of the year, call the Sound Opinions hotline, 888-859-1800. Tell us what you think the best album of 2012 was. Mr. Cott, you're up next. Jim, I'm going to jump to album number six on my list, Japan Droids with Celebration Rock, the Vancouver duo, Brian King on guitar, David Prowse on drums. This is the second album. They weren't supposed to get to album number two. They Mm. thought their first album was going to basically be the end of their career. Nobody cared outside of Vancouver about this band. Built up an internet buzz, got the chance to make album number two. It is an absolute triumph. They sound like they just broke out of prison on the first half of this record. It is an incredible celebration of rock. You know, we, we talk about arena rock on this show. Uh, this, in my dreams, is what it should sound like. Two guys 
making a celebratory noise. And it's, it's thrilling. The adrenaline rush is thrilling. But then on the second half of the album, something happens. The realization takes over. You know, we got this far. We never thought we'd get this far. We're celebrating the moment. But then the realization creeps in, the moment's going to end. At some point, you're basically going to be starting over. We don't know when that's going to come, but we're aware that that moment is going to arrive. I read something by another critic where they said something to the effect of, on the first half of the album, you sound like you're 15 years old. On the second half, the realization is that, well, I'm almost 30, Mm. you know? And life is starting to pass me by. And that gives it a resonance and a poignance that a lot of albums like this don't have. You know, don't get me wrong. I love the party rock vibe, but man, that poignance is what makes the album for me. It's Japan Droids with Celebration Rock and a track called The House That Heaven Built on Sound Opinions. That was the house that heaven built from my number six album of the year, Celebration Rock from Japan Droids. Coming up on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX, some of our listeners play critic. 
and we continue our countdown for the best albums of 2012. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott with Jim DeRigatis, and today we're counting down our favorite records of 2012. We're going to continue running through our picks in a second, but first, we know we're not the only ones making year-end lists. We want to know what's taking the top prize for some of you. So first, we've got Michael from Chicago on the line. Michael, welcome to Sound Opinions. Hello. So, Michael, what's your favorite album of 2012? I'd say the Cloud Nothing's Attack on Memory. Good choice. I'm loving that record, too. All right. Give us some reasons. I think a lot of the indie rock this year harkened back to the 80s or 90s. I didn't hear so much new sounds as I heard other groups. And to me, no album this year really synthesized sort of that period better of the college rock, alt rock era than the Cloud Nothings. The album reminds me a lot of albums like Sonic Youth, Daydream Nation, Nirvana's Inutro. Um, it's produced by Steve Albini, so you get that sort of sound where the vocals are hit in the mix. And then it also still has that sort of lo-fi ethic. Pretty much in eight songs over 30 minutes, it connects better than the other record this year. So it sounds like you're connecting back with some of your first love in music. You were big on those alternative bands from the early 90s, and this reminds you of that, that exactly, era. Exactly, and the late 80s ones. Yeah. Let's hear a little bit of Cloud Nothings. Cloud Nothing's Michael's pick for album of the year. Now, Michael, mirroring many of the groups in the 80s, it started as a bedroom project, became a full band. Uh, did you know them before, and did you get to see them live? I have not seen them live, but actually I found them through the blogosphere. They got great reviews in Pitchfork and other magazines. So uh, when they were referenced, a lot of bands I like, I checked them out, and it's a great album. Yeah, and it's a great live experience, too. Thanks for sharing your pick, Michael. My pleasure. Have a great day.
Up next, we have John calling from New York City. John, welcome to Sound Opinions. Hi. All right, have you got an album of the year for us? Yeah, that would be Kimbra, her debut album called Vows. Kimbra, she's the singer from New Zealand. Yeah. Um, at the heart, it's a pop record. It's very eclectic. There's some R&B, there's some like retro 60s and 70s and some of that neo touch of the soul 80s. thing. Mm-hmm. She the artist that sang on the Gauthier song? Yeah, actually, I heard about her about a year before that. There was a, I would say, a better collaboration with a band called Miami Horror. Mm-hmm. She uh, sang vocals on a song called I Look to You. I fell in love with that song, and then about a year ago, I was in the dentist chair, and I heard some elevator music as I was getting a filling, and I was like, what is this song? And it was the Gautier song. And then I looked it up, and I was like, oh, okay, it's Kimbra. I know who that is. Dentist chair music, that's how I feel about Gautier. Yeah. Well, so people know her f- primarily from her contribution to that huge Gautier single. How would you tell people, you know what, Don't whatever you think of the Gautier song, this is why you need to listen to her solo record? That's a tough one because the Gautier song is pretty different. It's pretty mainstream and it connects with, with a different demographic. I think her, what she's going for is more esoteric. Sometimes when I listen to it, I hear some Lily Allen or Duffy or Bjork or Prince. Uh, and there's even one song that reminds me a little bit of Tom Waits. Wow. You, you weren't kidding. That's quite a range. Duffy yeah, to Tom Waits. Actually, <laughs> my favorite song on the record, it's a R&B inspired. It's called Call Me. I would almost go as far as to say that that particular song is the cross between Mary J. Blige and Taylor Swift. Wow. When will we talk on a Saturday? Call Me by Kimbra from Vows, John's selection for the best album of 2012. Thanks, John. Thanks. All right, we've got one more number one album nomination. This is Andy from Mariposa, California. Andy, what's your album of the year? My favorite album of the year is the new album from Dan Deacon, America. I like that record, too. I like Dan Deacon. Why this one in particular? Have you been a fan of his throughout his career? You know, I got into Dan Deacon after listening to Bromst, but I think that America is where all the components of his music really come together for me. You know, he has a great ear for pop hooks, but they're always in this tension with the crazy, chaotic, noisy synthesizer sounds that he loves. And on this album, he also uses a lot of symphonic elements and strings and brass and woodwinds carry the melody on a few of the songs. And... I really like that.
Dan Deacon with America. So, Andy, a little bit of a subtext to this record. According to Deacon himself, he's talking about maybe a little broader political issues in this record. Are, are you hearing that, or, or what are you responding to in the record? On this, what I really appreciate about his approach is that he's really inspired by the American landscape, and he's trying to convey this big sense of space in his music. Do you know any of uh, Dan Deacon's background story, Andy, of initially how he saw America? I'm familiar with the, this long train trip that he took across the country, and, uh, and I've actually taken the, a similar train trip across the country, and just to be able to sit there and watch the landscape unfold over multiple days uh, sounds yeah. like it was a big inspiration for him. It's a very Jack Kerouac kind of story, and early on when he was only touring alone, performing alone instead of with this big electronic orchestra, he would take the Greyhound bus from gig <laughs> to gig. So he knows a thing or two about crossing this country. Yeah. So Andy, we have inside information that your love of Dan Deacon has spilled over into your family life. Yeah, I have a 10-month-old son whose name is Deacon. Well, that's a super fan. <laughs> Well, you know, I don't know if I'm a super fan, but it's more or less a normal name. It's not like I named him Springsteen or something. <laughs> oh, perish the thought. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Andy. We appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me on the show. Take care. Greg, we should invite all of our listeners to share their top albums of the year. Call 888-859-1800 or talk to us on Facebook or Twitter. Getting back to our countdown, I'm at number four. This is a record we have not gotten around to reviewing on Sound Opinions. We are remiss in that. It is the self-titled debut by a project called Melody's Echo Chamber. Melody is Melody Prochet, a very talented singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist from France. I'm going to drop a name that will come up later in the show. It is produced by Tame Impala's Kevin Parker. But don't make a mistake about this. Prochet is front and center. What a unique voice. What a visionary. There are sonic touchstones that will register with people. There's a lot of Letitia Sadier of Stereolab on this. There's a little bit of Charlotte Gainsbourg, although Charlotte is a much darker artist. Melody is able to write these wonderful songs that instantly worm their way into your consciousness and are delivered with a range of unique sonic beddings. They can range from the kind of effervescent space-age bachelor pad pop of the early 60s, the pre-Beatles 60s, to the ferocious guitar noise psychedelic assaults of My Bloody Valentine. I came to love this album more and more as the year went on. I'm going to play one of the songs she sings in French, others she sings in English. This one is called Bisou Magique by Melody's Echo Chamber on Sound Opinions. Thank you. 
That is Bizu Magique from Melody's Echo Chamber, Jim DeRogatis' number four album of the year. I'm going to go to my number four pick as well, and it is one of my favorite music stories of the year. The story of an Atlanta MC named Michael Render, a.k.a. Killer Mike. This guy's been around for about a decade. He had a hit in 2003, been releasing mixtapes ever since. All along, got better at his craft and made what I think is a classic hip-hop album. In the sense that he's collaborating with one producer, essentially, and that is LP. It is basically LP's beats with Killer Mike's rhymes, and it is a lethal combination. LP gets those huge howitzer-like beats, and Killer Mike reminds me a lot of the young Ice Cube on this record, the ferocity that he brings to his rhymes. And I think what he's giving us is essentially a mini-history of the African-American community as well as hip-hop over the last 30 years, and how hip-hop became the voice of that generation, or those multiple generations now. He calls it my religion at one point in the record. And I think it is a beautiful and moving and powerful tribute to how hip-hop has become the voice of that community. Here's a track called Untitled from Killer Mike's new album, Rap Music, on Sound Opinions. You, 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 you are witnessing elegance in the form of a black elephant. Smoking white wine, no old terraces. Will I die slain like my king by a terrorist? Will my woman be Coretta, take my name and cherish it? Or will she Jackie O, drop the Kennedy, remarry it? My sister say it's necessary on some Cleopatra. My grandmama said, nope, never that is sacrilege. Tend to agree because the thought is so disparaging. The Lord give a load, you got to carry it like Mary did. That's why I'm giving honor to all these baby mamas. It takes a woman's womb to make a Christ a Dalai Lama. The world might take that child, turn that child into a monster. The Lord will take a monster and fashion him a saint. I present you Malcolm X for those saying that he can't, saying that he won't, when I know he will. You usually don't know it's you until you getting killed, for real. Untitled from my number four album of the year, Rap Music from Killer Mike. What do you got next, Jim? Greg, I am up to my number two album of the year. It is by Kelly Hogan. I like to keep myself in pain. Kelly Hogan is a a treasure in Chicago. She, before that, had been down south working in the Georgia scene. She was much loved there. Those of us who admire her vocals and her personality have been waiting for her to make a masterpiece like the one she gave us. It is an incredible record. It is a testament to the strength of her voice, how many wonderful songwriters were willing to contribute original material written especially for her. John Wesley Harding to Stephen Merritt, Andrew Bird to Robin Hitchcock, and yet Kelly never cedes the spotlight. So powerful is her voice, so uh, nuanced and subtle and wonderfully full of humor and sexuality and passion and anger. 
are her interpretations of these songs that you can't imagine anybody but Kelly Hogan delivering them. I'm going to play a song called We Can't Have Nice Things. Genre-wise, the album skips all over the map. 60s girl group pop to soulful country music to actual soul music. Anybody who thinks that Adele is the end-all and be-all, they did not hear Kelly Hogan's record. We Can't Have Nice Things by Kelly Hogan on Sound Opinions. Nice Things by Kelly Hogan from my number two album of the year, I Like to Keep Myself in Pain. To check out our complete best of lists, go to soundopinions.org. When we return to Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX, we'll give you our number one albums. Keep the bedroom door shut just to hide our broken dreams. It's where we try to rise up on our torn and tattered wings. The vows have lost their meaning and memory only stings. And I guess we just can't have nice things. No, I guess we just can't have nice things. No, I guess we just can't have nice things. Persuasive, what's persuasive, what's persuasive? From nine to five, I know it's vacant, your bitch, your bitch. 
dreams of living life like rappers do. Like rappers do, like rappers. Do. Back when condom rappers wasn't cool. They wasn't cool, they wasn't. I fucked Shireen and went to tell my bros. Tell my bros. Then the Shireen and let it burn came on. That burn came on, that burn came on. I saw Saul and I tie rhyming, yeah, bitch. Yeah, bitch. Park the car, then we start rhyming, yeah, bitch. Yeah, bitch. The only thing we had to free our mind. Free our mind. Welcome back. I'm Greg Cott with Jim DeRigatis, and we are running down our top albums of 2012. I'm coming back with my number two album of the year, Kendrick Lamar's Good Kid, Mad City. It has been a very, very strong year for hip-hop, not the least of which is this particular album. Lamar is from the epicenter of the gangsta rap scene. In the late 80s, early 90s, gangster rap was essentially defined by the hip-hop groups coming out of Compton, California. Now he goes back to that era. He references it constantly, the whole idea of this culture that he grew up in. In a lot of ways, Good Kid, Mad City embodies gangster rap, the best qualities of that genre, the raw beats, the street-level reporting about crime, drugs, pathology. But he's also critiquing it in this album. And I think that's the essential difference here. That's what makes this album such a classic. He's questioning those macho cliches, those empty promises. He's in his mid-20s now, and he has some perspective on he grew up and why. And even though some people may say he's talking about the genre of hip-hop, he's really pointing the finger at himself. And I think the whole idea of this self-critique of how I grew up and why is what gives this album its humanity that sets it apart from many other gangster rap records. There's a number of characters he's playing in this album. It's like a 12-act play. His consciousness figures into it. His parents, God, he's pointing at these figures looking for a moral center in what is essentially an amoral culture. Beautiful, powerful stuff. Here's a track called Swimming Pools from Kendrick Lamar's Good Kid, Mad City on Sound Opinions. Now I done grew around some people living their life in bottles Granddaddy had the golden flask, backstroke every day in Chicago Some people like the way it feels, some people want to kill their sorrow Some people want to fit in with the popular, that was my problem I was in a dark room, loud tombs, looking to make a vow soon That I'ma get f***ed up, filling up my cup, I see the crowd move Changing by the minute, and the record on repeat Took a sip, then another sip, then somebody said to me why you babysitting only two or three shots? I'ma show you how to turn it up a notch. First you get a swimming pool full of liquor, then you dive in it. Pool full of liquor, then you dive in it. I wave a few bottles, then I watch them all fly. All the girls wanna play, play, watch. I got a swimming pool full of liquor, and they dive in it. Pool full of liquor, I'ma dive in it. Pool. Frank. Headshot. Frank. Sit down. Frank. Stand up. Frank. Pass out. Frank. Wake up. Frank. Fade it. Frank. Fade it. Frank. Okay. Now open your mind up and listen to me, Kendrick. I'm in your conscience. If you do not hear me, then you will be history, Kendrick. I know that you're nauseous right now, and I'm hoping to lead you to victory, Kendrick. If I take another one down, I'ma drown in some poison, abuse on my limit. I think that I'm feeling the vibe. I see the love in her eyes. I see the feeling of freedom is granted as soon as the damage of vodka arrived. This how you capitalize. This is parental advice. And apparently, I'm over-influenced by what you are doing. I thought I was doing the most that someone said to me. Why you babysitting only two or three shots? I'ma show you how to turn it up a notch. First you get a swimming pool full of liquor, then you dive in it. Pool full of liquor, then you dive in it. I wait for you. 
That is Swimming Tools from Kendrick Lamar's Good Kid, Mad City on Sound Opinions, my number two album. Jim, you're going to give us your number one album of the year. What is it? It is time, Greg, and I am going to reveal that it is Tame Impala Lonerism. This is a, a record we reviewed on Sound Opinions. It's a name I mentioned earlier. Kevin Parker is the Australian band leader, a uh, bedroom auteur on the four-track who developed a wonderful band, started out when he was just a teen. He also produced Melody Prochet's album. Now, if you read my blog on WBEZ where I do my written album reviews, I gave this record three and a half stars when it came out. And you say, well, I understand why Kelly Hogan and Spiritualized and LP are on your list. Those were all four stars on the four-star scale. Tame Impala is a record I couldn't stop playing. You know, it's there among the stack of 50 on my desk. It's there in the big old pile that's overflowing all the time in my car. It's there among the millions of songs on my iTunes. And I keep coming back to it and back to it and back to it. And I keep discovering things about this record every time. Psychedelic rock to me is a genre that needs two things. It needs that striving towards the white light, if we want to get mystical about it, or if we want to get technical. You know, that that sense of between your headphones, here exists a sonic world that doesn't exist anywhere else. It's a magical place. But it has to have great melody. It has to have driving rhythm in order to still be rock and roll. Ironically, Parker said he was trying to write pop songs that would be good enough for Kylie Minogue to have big hits with, but he wanted them to sound like they came from Mars. He got a little help from Dave Fridman, longtime producer of The Flaming Lips and Mercury Rev, but really this guy is front and center of this band. It has a wonderful, timeless, unique sound that you will continue to discover things about on the 10th listen, on the 100th, and on the 1,000th. Here is a song called Apocalypse Dreams by Tame Impala from Lonerism on Sound Opinions, my album of the year.
Apocalypse Dreams by Tame Impala from my album of the year, Lonerism. Mr. Cot, you can't do it, but I'll give you the drum roll. Your number one album of the year is? <laughs> Frank Ocean, Channel Orange. A uh, great record. It is a great record. And uh, like I, like you, had a similar reaction to that Tame Impala record. It came on strong at the end of the year. Yes, we yes. couldn't get enough of that record. But I have to say, the record that I played more than any other and that kept bringing me more and more enjoyment was Channel Orange. The subtext for this album, if you remember from last summer, was all about this love affair that turned Ocean into an unintended icon for the gay and bisexual communities. He, you know, in the liner notes, he talked about falling in love with a man when he was 19. And there are a couple of songs on the record addressing an unnamed he, which made him, you know, kind of this, this figure of gay rights. Oh, especially uh, given, you know, his connection with Odd Future, which were notoriously homophobic. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about communities, you know, the contemporary R&B and hip-hop communities that aren't necessarily the most hospitable forums for discussions of these kind of matters. But the gift of this record, and Ocean's gift as an artist, is that he makes that almost beside the point. His truth translate on a much wider scale than that, and that is because of the quality of the writing. We're not only talking about a gay African-American and hip-hop and R&B, that whole outsider nature of that, but this record talks a lot about him being in Los Angeles, this New Orleans native living in L.A. and seeing this culture that is numbed out by too much sun, too much wealth, too many drugs. Again, the whole outsider, the whole stranger in a strange world. So he creates this concept record that has all these layers to it. What really comes across to me, you know, the, as a vocalist and as a lyricist, he is top tier. You know, there's layers and a poetry, if I dare say, to a lot of these lyrics and the wrenching honesty that allows him to convey it in such a convincing style. There's a lot of heartbreak here, a lot of classic soul here. I think what we have here from Frank Ocean is a modern-day soul classic. Channel Orange from Frank Ocean. Here's Sweet Life on Sound Opinions. The best song wasn't the single, but you weren't either. Living in Ladera Heights, the Black Beverly Hills, domesticated paradise, palm trees and pools. The water's blue, swallow the pill, keeping it surreal. Whatever you like, whatever feels good. Whatever takes your mountain high, keeping it surreal. Not sugar free, my TV ain't HD, that's too real. Grapevine, mango, peaches, and lime. Sweet life, sweet life, sweet life. Sweet life, sweet life. Sweet, 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 sweet life. Transmitting the waves 
catching that breeze till you're dead in the grave. But you're keeping it so real. Whatever you like, whatever feels good, whatever takes your mountain high. It's real, not sugar free. My TV ain't HD, that's too rare. Grapevines, mango, peaches, and lime, a sweet life. Sweet Life by Frank Ocean from Channel Orange, Greg Cott's album of the year. Greg, it came in at number three on my list, and listeners can see our entire list at soundopinions.org. What do we have on the show next week? Next week, we have our annual visit from our very own Chris Kringle. It's Andy Serzan's Holiday Spectacular. Greg, as always, we have some thank yous to say on the way out. Sound Opinions is produced by Robin Lynn and Jason Saldana. Our associate producer is Annie Minoff. Our intern is Griffin Waterman. And I say this with all sincerity. Number one on our list as our favorite boss every year, our executive producer is Tori southside Malatia. Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So now it's time to hear what you have to say. New messages. Hi, Sound Opinions. This is Paul from Pewaukee. I wanted to make a correction to your Soundgarden review. The band Green River didn't spawn Soundgarden. They actually spawned Mud Honey and Pearl Jam. Uh, Soundgarden, they were their, always their own thing, as far as I know. Never really been a huge Soundgarden fan. I know some friends of mine really loved them and I was like uh, they're cool but then I got into the Melvins and I'm like oh, this band's way better so that's it bye as it's Chris from Cincinnati I could bet even before I heard the review of the new Soundgarden album that you guys were going to bash it and call it a trash it record uh, it seems any band that reunites from the 90s and comes out with anything new, you guys are, you know, always quick to, you know, just rain on their parade. You know, you guys should really open your minds and realize that these are bands out there still trying to make good music really trying to, uh, you know, bring back their fan base, and it's, just, uh, it's a great thing. So, you know, lighten up. Take care. Bye. Hi, this is Katie from Deerfield, and I'd like to thank you for your recent show on Big Star and about their first two albums. They were such an amazing band, and their time together was so fleeting, which most of us miss.
appreciate your, your ongoing commitment to keeping their legacy alive. It's really great. Thanks again. Bye. Hi, this is Josh calling from New York City. I'm actually calling in response to somebody who called last week about the Dead Can Dance album and defending the song that you played and saying that it, it was satire. Um, I mean, this is a, an argument that I've heard from a lot of people defending music that they say, oh, you don't get it, it's just satire, they're making fun of something. But the fact of the matter is that if, if the music sucks, then it sucks, whether it's satire or not. If it's hard to listen to, then it's not an effective piece of music. We are ancient, as ancient as the sun. We came from the ocean, once our ancestral home. So that one day, we could all return. In addition to that, Dead Can Dance is not like, you know, some kind of funny band. It's not like Weird Al Yankovic or something. They're not known for writing funny songs. It's Dead Can Dance. They are known for writing serious songs. And so suddenly they do a satirical song that sounds terrible, then people are probably going to take it seriously. Thanks a lot, guys. Keep up the good work. No more messages. To share your opinions on Sound Opinions, call 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.